Welcome to Spotlight on the Word Sermon Series. I will thank the Lord for this wonderful day. And we are just 18 days into the new year. And the question I would like to ask you is that what are you making of the new year? And so I want you to ask yourself, what would I make of the new year? What will I make of the new year? And that is our sermon title for today's sermon series. Prior to every new year, people make um, resolutions, new year resolutions, and for some they have so much become used to making new year resolutions and not keeping them. And because of that, some people have even given up the idea of making resolutions at all. And then some also are not even or have never even done any resolutions due to the fact that they are not able to uh, keep some of these resolutions. Um, but I think in all, it is good for us to have some things uh, in mind which we want to accomplish as the year moves on. And so today, the question I want to ask is that what are you making of the new year? Sit down and ask yourself, in this year, what have you put down? What do you think that you want to work on to be able to achieve within this new year God has given us? But before then, before we move into our sermon, proper, I want us to um, take a reading from the book of Matthew chapter 25 verse 14 downwards. Please let's listen to the reading. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. And he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have it is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, 
even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this is a very wonderful reading that we've just heard. And that is, of course, about the parable of the talent. And so um, usually this talent is very important. Uh, parable is very important when we are looking at um, um, the uh, kingdom parables, uh, comparing it to uh, the kingdom of God and talking about um, what God has entrusted in to each and every one of these people. Uh, the parable is actually about stewardship, uh, what God has given to them and how they are able to put it to good use so that in the end, uh, God would bless us. Now, uh, without not going so much into the details as we have heard the parable being read out, my main aim is um, the attitude of the last person, the one who received that one talent and couldn't even invest it, but uh, went, to duck, uh, went to dig somewhere and hid it and then brought it to the master. Now, the reason why the master was angry with the servant is one, for the fact that he was a lazy servant. He was a very lazy servant and that is why he couldn't make anything good with that talent or that one talent that he had received. Another reason is that when you read down there, he would um, mention that, that um, I think from verse um, 27, he said, therefore, um, take the talent from him and give it to everyone who has, for to everyone who has more will be given. Sorry, verse 30, he said, and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. That is the point I want, or that is the part I want us to dwell on. So when you read the verse 26 and the verse 30, there are two ways that I want us to focus on in this particular sermon. The fact that one, that servant was lazy, and then the second part, uh, which is the verse 30, that the fact that the servant was unprofitable. Brethren, I believe that this new year that we have begun, if we don't become intentional about our growth, if we don't in become intentional about certain things, we end up at the end of this year becoming lazy and then also unprofitable at the end. And that is why for me, I believe that it is very important. And using this uh, verse or these verses we've read as a background, I believe that it is important that whatever we have this year, we should be able to put it into a very good use. You know, um, if to if I'm to compare it to this um, parable that we've just read, um, basically all of us have also received something. I mean, we've all been ushered into the new year, so to speak. And there are so many people who had a tough year last year and they went through a lot. And so for them to even see this new year, it is a great opportunity for them. There were others who didn't really see anything um, so hard in the previous year. I probably they had their parents catering for them, they had someone taking care of their bills and all that. So they might have not experienced the, the hardship other people went through. And for some, maybe last year was a very good year for them where they had so many opportunities. Others also didn't have such opportunities. So whichever way, so far as we've all been given this living, I believe that it comes to us differently. It comes to each and every one of us in a different way. For some people, it's a great opportunity to correct the mistakes they've made last year. For others, it is another opportunity to make another good um, 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 fortune for themselves. So whichever way you look at it, each and every one of us 
have been given something and that is the new year and just as i said it comes to us in different ways it's a very good opportunity for each and every one of us but the question is what would i make of the new year ask yourself what would i make of the new year and i want to suggest some few things for me personally um, i look at this thing for my christian background or for my perspective as a christian and one of the things that i want to work on or i want to talk about i want to achieve i desire to have in this new year is the aspect of discipline is the aspect of discipline so discipline is one of the things i want to achieve in this new year discipline is one of the things i want to achieve in this new year i want you to turn with me to second timothy chapter one verse one second timothy chapter one verse one what does he say um he says um paul an apostle of jesus christ um by the will of god according to the promise of life which is in christ jesus I think I'm getting the verse um, wrong, so I want to look at it again. So basically, I'm talking about the fact that God has given us, um, he has not given us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of what? Power and of love and of what? Self-discipline. That is what I'm talking about. That God has given us this opportunity, or this God has given us this ability to have that kind of what? Self-discipline. Discipline is very, very important. When you read the book of Proverbs, several times that it is told us that anyone who does not have discipline uh, or anyone who hates discipline is a fool or is not wise. And so discipline is very, very important in our daily life. And as we can see, anyone who is not disciplined gets himself into so many problems. And many of the time, it is because we are not disciplined. That is where we become lazy most of the times. Many of us are lazy because we are not what? Disciplined. And there are many things that we would have achieved in the previous year if we were just a little what, disciplined. There are so many things that we could have achieved if only we become what, disciplined. But many of us were not disciplined, and so we couldn't achieve some of those things. And so I want us to become what, self-disciplined. Or we have to work on discipline this particular year. Without discipline, many of us would decide not to go to church on Sundays. Without discipline, many of us will decide not to even go to the weekly services on Sunday. Without discipline, many of us would not even try and help a brother or a sister in trouble. Without discipline, we will talk anyhow. Without discipline, we will do things anyhow. And I think that um, it is not for any reason that God is encouraging us that we should become God disciplined. Because even God himself disciplines the people he loves. God disciplines the children he loves. And so therefore, we can't live without what? Discipline. We can't live without discipline. We need discipline in our life to be able to function as Christians. Now we can also read even from, um, let's open to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 27 and then read something about discipline. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 7, um, quickly um, hoping to first printing chapter 9 verse what are they saying um, just a minute so first Corinthians chapter 9 verse 27 rather sorry first Corinthians chapter 9 verse 27 it says that but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection 
lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. This is what Paul is saying. That after preaching, after telling people about the good news, telling people about the gospel, telling people about how to fight a good fight, and all those things, he says that he even trains himself. He tries to what? Train himself and discipline himself so that in the end, the message he's giving to people, he will also live by that same message. So that in the end, his toil and his suffering will not be in what? In vain. Paul realized how it is important that self-discipline is to our Christian faith and our success as Christians. And so he gave us an example in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 27 that he disciplines himself. He disciplines himself so that he will be able to what? Follow all the things that he has given to others, the good things that God has asked us to do. So that in the end he will not become what disqualified but rather he will also um, receive the crown of glory and i think this is very very important discipline is very important and that is why most of our institutions try to instill discipline into us even as very young age we are being disciplined so that we'll be able to what um, take charge of our lives as individuals in future so discipline we can't do without discipline. It is a very important part of our nature and our being as Christians. And so, what am I saying? In first, uh, Second Timothy chapter one verse seven, the earlier uh, passage I wanted to read that I got wrong. For God has not given us a spirit of what fear, but of power and of love and of what a sound mind. And so here, sound mind. I am talking about the fact that where one would be what um, sound in in order to what not to give in to any other thing that would produce him or her, and that is what we are talking about here. So God has given us that spirit not to be fearful, not to be timid, but to be what to be of what of power and of what of love and of what of a sound mind. I think um, when you look at this verse, some, uh, the version I actually was quoting, I think NIV also was that particular one that put it as um, self-discipline. But here, the NKJV is putting it as well of a sound mind. But my point in this particular sermon is that we need self-discipline. We need discipline in our lives to be able to prosper this year. One other thing I want to uh, encourage you to work on this year is self-control 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 is also um very tied to discipline and if we don't try to uh, take advantage or if we don't try to work on self-control as christians we would suffer in vain it is very much part of our nature as christians and so each and every one of us must try and work on self-control and i think that is a good thing for all of us this year to be able to aspire um, to work on self control so the very first one that i mentioned is discipline the second one which i'm talking about is self-control and so we open our bible to second peter chapter 1 verse 6 and then it reads that uh, peter says that to knowledge self-control to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness what is he saying remember peter is encouraging us to add on to our faith and the various christian graces and the virtues that he has mentioned he says to knowledge we should add what self-control 
we should add self-control because if we don't have self-control and a lot of things will go wrong as young people we don't have self-control we will live our lives anyhow we will live promiscuous life we will live in fornication we will live in lives that are not worthy of a christian it takes self-control to be able to help us if you want to see what i'm trying to talk about let's read something from um, first Corinthians um, chapter 7. I think we'll see a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's look at something from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 5. Here Paul is giving advice to um, couples not to deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of lack of self-control. My point here is that Paul is trying to tell us that um, one of the ways that Satan gets the opportunity to tempt us is when we lack what? Self-control. It's when we lack self-control. And so as Christians, if we want to live lives that are righteous in the sight of God, we need self-control. Don't forget that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 23, self-control is one of the um, um, things that the Bible mentioned as being part of what the fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is one of them. And so please, we try as much as possible to work on what self-control. I said it without self-control, we'll live lives that are not worthy of a Christian. We'll talk anyhow, we'll do this anyhow, we would engage in all sorts of enjoyment, all sorts of games, all sorts of pleasures without self-control. We will do a whole lot of things and that will lead us into uh, 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 lascivious activities. So we need self-control. In Titus chapter 1 verse 8, don't forget that one of the things that an elder must possess or someone who is aspiring to be a bishop in the Lord's church is self-control. So self-control is so much part of our lives as Christians. And for me personally, this year, I want to work on discipline, I want to work on self-control. But the question to you is, what would I make of this new year? What will I make of this new year? Ask yourself, what will I make of this new year? Now, the final one I want us to talk about is love. And love, in a sense, that we love God first. We love God first in order to be able to obey the things God has asked us to do. There are many of us who love the things of God, but we don't really love God. In that we love to go to church, we love to fellowship with brethren, we love to take the Lord's Supper, we love to sing at church, we love to read the Bible. Do we love God to the point that we are ready to obey Him in everything that He has asked us to do? So though we go to church, alright, because we love to go to church, but we don't really obey God or we don't really love God by obeying what He has asked us not to do or uh, by doing what He has asked us to do. This is what I'm talking about. And I would want us to consider another passage in um, the book of 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, let's read that one quickly. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 to 3. It says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and anyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him who is begotten of him. So, I mean, those who love Christ Jesus love God, who begot Christ Jesus. By this, we know that we love the children of God. By this we know that we love the children of God, here in verse 2, when we love God and keep His commandments. So we only 
know we love God only if we are keeping His word, His commandment. For this is the love of God that we keep His word, commandment, and His commandment are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and there is the victory that has overcome the world. Are who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So what are we talking about here? Love is very much part of our lives as Christians. In fact, without love, um, there won't be any form of Christianity. Because for God uh, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's a key aspect of our lives as Christians. And therefore, we need to love God first. And I'm saying that we need to love him to the point that we don't just love in words, but in deed. That because we love God, we will go to church services. Because we love God, we will meet with brethren. Because we love God, we will try as much as possible to stay away from evil. Because we love God, we will try as much as possible to help people when they are in need. That is what I believe that if we work on this thing here, it will help us. Not just loving God, but also loving our brethren. But also loving our brethren. And I want us to read something from um first thessalonians chapter 4 verse 9 first thessalonians chapter 4 verse 9 says that but concerning brotherly love you have no need that i should write to you for you yourselves are taught by god to love one another and so uh, paul is saying that he doesn't even need to write to remind them about um this uh, brotherly kind of love because we ought to love one another as uh, god has asked us to do and this is very important because um uh, john says that if we don't love our brethren then we are liars if we claim we love god because how then we love god whom we have no sin and our brethren that we go to church with we fellowship with we don't love them brethren we need to love the brethren we need to love the brethren we need to love the various congregations the brothers in various congregations we need to love them and even we need to love those who are outside to the point that we will what we will preach to them to come into the Lord's fold. We need to love brethren. And so when there is uh, or when there are rumors of this brother is like this, uh, this brother is like this, beloved, we need to take time sometimes and hear from this brethren, understand them before we make judgment. We need to 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 uh, take steps to what to correct them when they are in some form of what error. We need to love them to that point of correcting them, rebuking them, reproving them. Brethren, we need to do these things rather than what uh, putting them and uh, away and labeling them and then having nothing to do with them. Of course, I know there is a point where it gets and um, we don't have to fellowship with some brethren who are falling away. That we need to love our brethren as the Bible has asked us. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Let brotherly love continue. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 39, it tells us that we should love even what our neighbors. And this goes beyond just the brethren in the church. And that is what I'm talking about. Those in the world, how do we love them? Not that by becoming company with them, but we love them to the point that we are ready to tell them the truth about their eternal destiny. We are able to tell them the truth about their, their destiny as people who are not in the Lord's church. We need to tell them, people in denominations and people in churches that are doing things that are contrary to the word of God. We need to love them to the point that we let them know the truth so that they will come to the truth or they will come to the light. And so, brothers and sisters, we need uh, brotherly love. We need love this year. And for me personally, I want to also work on love this year. So I have told you the three things I want to work on this year. 
What I will want to make of this new year is to work on what discipline, is to work on what self-control, and is to work on what love. But the question is, what would you make of the new year? Um, thank you for listening to this sermon, and I hope that you'll be able to um, enjoy it and share it with others. May the Lord bless you for listening. Amen.